Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Good morning, everybody. Man, I can't think of a better way to spend Mother's Day than with our youth in the room and serving us this weekend. It's so good. Um, Well, good morning. Um, It's a great day. You guys encouraged me. Just watching that worship, uh, man, I think I'm more nervous than you guys today. So, uh, so proud of you guys. Um, Have you heard that saying or that phrase uh, that they're the next generation? that students are the next generation. Well, I believe that to an extent, but I feel like it's kind of incomplete because I don't believe that you guys are just the next generation, but that you guys are the generation now. And here in the vineyard, we have a saying that everyone gets to play. And we truly believe that. Like, we want you guys here. This is your church too. This is your church now. And that's the good news about the Holy Spirit and about Jesus is that um, he wants to partner with you guys now. You don't have to wait to be a certain age. He wants to partner with you guys now. And that's good news. If we haven't met yet, I'm Brett and I get to be the youth pastor here at the Vineyard. And uh, I grew up in the Westerville, Dublin, Gahanna area. And I felt called to ministry, especially the youth ministry when I was 15 years old in my youth group. And shortly after graduating from Ohio State, a few years later, I had the honor to be one of the youth pastors at the very youth group that introduced me to Christ. Um, And I got to be the youth pastor for about 10 years at Vineyard Columbus until our family felt invited by God, felt called by God to take a, a step of faith, to take a leap of faith and follow him out to California. And so we did that and we thought we were gonna be empty nesters out in California And then, you know, God's sneaky awesome. And five years later, he invites us back to Ohio. And so we take another step of faith. We take another leap of faith and we follow him back here to Ohio and not knowing that this vineyard and this family would be a part of all this. And I'm so glad that we came back. Uh, My wife, Heather, that you saw up here leading worship with the students, we've been married for 15 years, and it'll be 16 years this December 1. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we have two amazing kiddos, Trust, who's 11, and he's finishing fifth grade, and our daughter, Story, who is seven, who is finishing first grade. Yes. Can I share a story with you? When I was a little boy, I was Superman. No, I was the Superman, right? I mean, same guy. Uh, I used to watch Superman cartoons on TV all the time. And then a special day came where I was knighted with my very own Superman PJs with the Velcro cape and little underwear and all, right? Because details matter. And when you're a little kid and you look at your hero, you want to look just like him. And when, when you look just like your hero with the Velcro cape and the little underwear and all, you begin to take on their abilities and their qualities as well. I mean, you want to copy everything they do. So imagine five-year-old Brett flying around the house before bedtime every night. I mean, I could fly. I could shoot laser beams out of my eyes. I could lift up heavy objects, which usually was probably just throwing couch cushions all over my mom's family room. You know, she probably loved that every night. But if you could think of Superman... I was the physical embodiment of him, just in a five-year-old little body. Um, You see, just as I witnessed Superman doing 
what he did. I wanted to do everything he did. And today we're going to look at a passage in Acts where Jesus is encouraging us to be his witnesses, just in a different way, wherever we go. We started a new series in Acts a few weeks ago called Now What? And we're taking a look at the early church where it's right after Easter, Jesus has resurrected and they've been given the promised Holy Spirit and they're trying to figure out, well, now what? You know, we had Jesus in physical form and now we have this Holy Spirit. And so they're trying to learn and navigate this new season of life a lot like us today. The author uh, is Luke. When we look, look in the book of Acts, he's a physician, he's a doctor, and he went on missionary journeys with Paul. Paul was very smart to take a friend doctor with him, you know, in case there's shipwrecks or snake bites on the hand or something like that. Um, Luke and Acts were once one book put together. Later, they were separated into a part one and a part two. And if you were to put Luke and Acts back together, it'd make up about a quarter of the New Testament. Luke is recording actual and historical accounts to clear up any confusion or misreports. He's recording exact, exact towns by name. He's recording people by name, city officials by name. He's recording dates and times. And he's even recording constellations in the sky. He's saying that this is factual. This is historical. It is accurate. And he's addressing his letter to a man named Theophilus, whose name means one who God loves. And Theophilus probably has some questions and confusions of his own. And so as Luke is writing, he's probably helping Theophilus clear up any misreports and confusions that Theophilus has, as well as helping the early church clear up any confusion and misreports that they had as well. When you look at the gospel of Luke, uh, Luke is starting with a young family that's about to change the world with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And when we pick up an ax, we have a young group of followers in an underground church about to change the world as well. So we're gonna to turn to Acts 1, but first let's pray. God, I do, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that our students are here with us. God, we thank you for all the moms. God, I pray just blessing over every family that is represented here today. I pray that as we open up your word, that your spirit would speak to us. To some, I pray that um, you would refresh something in us. I pray that you'd remind us of something, God, and, and that you would teach us something new. I pray that you just breathe life on your words and fill my words as I speak. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's turn to Acts 1, starting in verse 1, where it says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. We see in this passage that the church is to be a witness. And today, I want to focus more on verse 8 of this passage, where it's talking about being Jesus's witness, being witnesses for Jesus. So let's look at verse 8 again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did you know that witness in Greek is martis, or martis? It's where we get our word martyr from. And we know from church history that early followers of Jesus were often witnesses for God by being martyrs. But I don't think this was the only intent that Luke had for this word or that God had for this word. The word also means to attest for, vouch for, give testimony, and to be a witness, to basically show it with our actions. And as the book of Acts continues, we see time and time again, follower after follower of Jesus being a witness. We see Peter at Pentecost being a witness. We see Stephen being a witness right before uh, he is a martyr, before he gives his life. And then we see again and again, a variety of different followers of Jesus all through the book of Acts, uh, living out their lives as living sacrifices in different ways as a witness for Jesus. Today, being a witness for Jesus can look as simple as showing kindness to someone in the workplace or someone at school. Maybe it's buying someone lunch at school that forgot theirs or doesn't have enough money to buy their lunch. Or maybe you're going through the drive-thru and you just say, hey, I'm going to cover the meal or the person behind me. It might be going out of your way this week for a neighbor. Uh, I actually feel like a lot of times God shows up in those moments where it's like inconvenient and you just have to step out and you're like, okay, this is God. Maybe that's going to be you this week. Maybe this week it's sharing an encouraging story, a testimony of something God has done in your life with someone this week. I think there's a lot of great ways to be a witness, but I think one of the best ways we can do it is to show it, to live it out, to walk it out. And we see this when Jesus says to his friends in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Churches are made or broken on these verses. Families are made or broken on these verses. We can either point people to Jesus or push people away from Jesus by these verses. And this is gonna be more of my focus today. Not so much of being a witness outside these walls, which I highly, highly value. I'm always looking for ways to get our students serving outside these walls. But today I wanna focus more on this John 13 of love one another and how it relates to each one of us. Because I think these verses are like oxygen. You ever been like on an airplane and they tell you to secure your oxygen mask first and then help the person next to you? That's because if you don't secure yours first, you're probably gonna pass out and then not be able to help the person next to you, let alone you'll probably be a nuisance or in the way and not be able to help them. It's like oxygen. And I know this for the best of ways 
uh, in my life. You see, the summer going into fifth grade was the first time I experienced the loss of a friend, of a very close friend. And it was just earth shattering to me. Um, I got news. I remember the day I can still picture this sunny day in the summer. I'm on summer break. It's supposed to be fun when you're 11 years old. And my babysitter breaks the news that my best friend since preschool um, was hit by a car and died. He was, he lived out here pretty close to this church and he's crossing over a road and um, he didn't see the truck and the truck didn't see him. And when my babysitter broke that news to me, I didn't know how to handle it. I mean, I remember crying. I remember hiding in different places in the house. And it was just shattering. Fast forward a little bit later in that year, it's October. And uh, I remember it clearly. We were all dressed up for the costume party. And I was going to be Raphael, the Ninja Turtle, right? It's going to be awesome. And um, I get called down to the principal's office and I have to leave. And um, our family at the time was going through a very hard personal um, situation in our family. We were going through a lot of divorce and custody stuff. And it was really hard. And it felt like the loss of that friend uh, earlier in, in that summer. Now, fast forward to the end of that year, the end of fifth grade. And now I'm in the summer before going into sixth grade. And I'm visiting a church. And as a bored 11-year-old boy in the back, you know, it wasn't like Vineyard. It wasn't, you know, this cool. But uh, I was a bored little 11-year-old in the back. And I was you know, talking to my cousin as we do, you know, chattering. But at the end, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna listen to the minister and just hear what he has to say. And I chimed in right as the minister was saying something to the extent of that we need to ask God for forgiveness of our sins. And something just exploded in me. This anger just exploded into me. I started thinking about all that I've been through that year and all that I've been through leading up to that year. And I just got mad. I thought, how dare you tell me I need to ask God for forgiveness? He should be saying sorry to me after all that I've been through and everything I've been through leading up to this year. I remember going home to one of my parents' homes and the family was probably unpacking and they went around. And I remember being on the steps and just crying and crying. And then I thought of all the other times in my life where I've cried and I just got mad. I was tired of crying and I just turned it to anger. And I remember just arguing with God and basically just telling him, God, I hate you and I'm done with you and I don't believe in you anymore. And that was probably, probably around August, right before starting sixth grade. Well, God is sneaky awesome. And about three weeks later, I start sixth grade. And who happens to be in my sixth grade English class other than JT Meyer? And so if you're new to this church or visiting with us, JT's family, Danny and Penny, uh, are one of the founding families of this church. And JT and I became fast friends and we're friends all through middle school. Now, fast forward to the summer, right after eighth grade and right before going into ninth grade. And JT's having a sleepover at my mom's house. And his dad's pulling up in the driveway to pick him up. And right before JT walks out the front door, he turns to me and just asks me, Brett, they're starting a youth group at my dad's church on Monday nights. Do you want to go? And it was one of those moments where life just goes into like slow motion, where like JT's still talking in slow motion. And I'm just now arguing with God. This God I chose not to believe in, I'm having an argument with him. And I'm just telling him how mad I am at him. Again, 
I just feel like he's tricked me. I feel like he's tricked me. I'm like, you, you, my best friend, he's a Christian? Like, how dare you? And I just felt like God was taking another friend away from me. That's what it felt like. I felt like he was taking a friend away. Like it was another loss, like losing my best friend that summer going to fifth grade. It felt like a loss. I felt like God was taking something from me. And then life goes back into reality. And JT's like, great, we'll pick you up Monday. To this day, I don't ever remember saying yes out of my mouth. <laughs> JT heard something. I don't remember. I was arguing with this God I, I didn't believe in. And yet, okay. And so I'm kind of like puzzled what's going on. And so as JT's leaving, uh, Danny's pulling out my mom's driveway and leaving in uh, his green station wagon at the time. And I'm on my mom's front porch, wondering what just happened. But I started going through my timeline, like I have a hundred times of all the things that I'm mad at God for, all the things I blame God for, all the reasons why I stopped believing in him. And, but this time was different. And I now know it's the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit then. But God started showing me, Brett, this situation wasn't me. This situation wasn't me. This person wasn't me. This thing wasn't me. And for the first time, it clicked. And I jumped into youth group with JT all four years of high school, and it was vital to me. It started with a simple friendship, a simple invitation that God honored. God went from being my enemy to being my friend in a matter of seconds. I remember going to youth group. I remember going to church in a service a lot like this and sitting with my friends and worshiping every weekend, taking notes during the sermons, going up for prayer. The church and youth group were vital to me. I remember serving at summer camps and going on missions trips and experiencing the presence of God for the first time with my youth group on a missions trip. The Myers, again, one of the founding families of this church, uh, Danny, Penny, JT, Christopher, Chelsea was a little bit older at the time. But the way they lived out their faith, the way they lived out their family, the way they lived out their marriage, um, it shaped me. And just as I witnessed Superman as a little boy, the witness of the Myers uh, was pivotal. The way they poured into me um, was life-changing and life-saving. The church is to be a witness. And to be a witness is not just a one-time thing. The Myers poured into me all four years of my high school years. You know, we're to be a witness as long as that person's in our life. You know, spouses, you're a witness every day in your marriage. Parents, you're a witness every day to your kids. Students, you're a witness every day whenever you go to school or to your brothers and sisters, even to your moms and dads. We're all witnesses wherever we go. We're witnesses as we go in the workplace. But youth ministry was, was pivotal, it was vital for me. And as much as youth ministry was important to me growing up, especially through high school, now as a youth pastor, it's heartbreaking to see that often when students graduate high school, they don't return to their home church or any church at all. You see, there will be roadblocks and obstacles if the church is to be a witness. And I did some study and I found out this wasn't just a me experience. This is a national church experience, a big C church experience that's being called as graduating church or church dropouts. And did you know that church dropouts has risen to 64% according to Barna Group? 
And that's our church students. Those are our students that have gone through kids ministry, have gone through the youth group, have gone to summer camps and missions trips. And in some churches, those statistics were as high as 70 to 86%. And from experience and from research I've seen, again, when students graduate high school, it's heartbreaking. They often don't return to church. So what's the number one reason this generation is walking away from their faith? According to Kara Powell, she's the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute and a faculty member at Fuller Theological Seminary. She says this, of all the youth group participation variables we've seen, being involved in intergenerational worship and relationship was one of the variables most highly correlated to young people's faith. And I wanna come back to that paragraph a little bit later. So in other words, while it's great that there are better trained, more called, more specialized paid and volunteer youth leaders, the downside is that the gap between the overall congregation and the youth ministry is growing, which ends up being toxic to young people's faith. As a result, students graduate and all they know is the youth ministry and the youth leader. They don't know their church. They don't know adults in their church. No wonder they drift away from the church because they feel like they've graduated out of it. Really good research indicates that almost half of young people drift from God and the church after they graduate. And I've seen this year after year and student after student, that the youth group becomes their church for seven years and they don't have connections and they don't know the rest of the church. And so when they're done with youth group, they either beg to stay in or they just leave altogether. They just graduate church. And you're probably thinking like, wow, Brett, I was having a really good day until you started speaking. Thank you for ruining my mother's day. And I'm so sorry. No, there's good news coming. There's good news coming. Okay, but so sorry. But I do want to pause there and add that if you're a student and you're graduating this year or next year, or just any students in this room, we want you here. This is your church too. You belong. We love you guys. Amen. Mm. And if you're graduating this year, we are starting up a young adult ministry this summer that we want you to be a part of. We want you to help it grow. We want you a part of that small group. And I also want to say to you that are driving already, it's okay to drive 20, 30, 40 plus minutes to church. I remember being a high schooler in youth group and driving to Dublin and Hilliard and Plain City to go pick up friends and then drive back to Westerville to youth group and then take them back home. I remember being at Ohio State and being in our college ministry and doing the same thing, driving all over the city, sometimes 40 minutes away, bringing them back to church and then taking them back home. It's okay if you have to drive a little bit. And for those of you that are moving out of state to go to college or just moving away for a job, we forgive you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But we love you guys. And I just want to encourage you and challenge you to be intentional about finding a church. Um, I hope one just pops up, but I believe that you're going to have to be intentional. And if the first one doesn't work out, it's okay. Try again. Find another one. And if the second one doesn't work out, it's okay. Try another one. Keep looking for a church until you find one that just feels like home. Okay, okay. Some good news, some good news. Okay, let's go back to Kara Powell in that first paragraph where she said, of all the youth group participation variables we've seen, being involved in intergenerational worship and relationship 
was one of the variables most highly correlated to young people's faith. There were other important variables such as um, family life, home life, what happens in the home, and does it complement and highlight what's going on at church? Um, you know, great worship experiences, great Bible-centered messages that are relevant and speak to them too, opportunities to serve in the church and outside the church. But the most important variable was being connected with the overall church and not just being siloed out in the youth ministry. See, there will be roadblocks, there will be obstacles if the church is to be a witness, but those obstacles don't get the last say with Jesus. I think one of the best ways to be a witness is that the church needs to be multi-generational and intergenerational. Young people can do amazing things. And when they're excited about something, they will go 110% about that thing, no matter what it is. And God loves partnering with you guys. And we see this all throughout scripture that God partners with people regardless of their age. We see David was likely 17 years old when God called him. Joseph was very young when he was sold by his brothers, but later became Pharaoh's right-hand man. I love this story in 2 Kings 5 of a little slave girl who steps out in bravery and tells the captain of the king's army who has leprosy about this prophet Elisha. She steps out in bravery and speaks about the prophet Elisha. And this captain of the king's army, this highly respected man, gets healed because of this little girl's bravery to speak up. It's incredible. Even uh, we read in Matthew 19, one day children were brought to Jesus in the hope that he would lay hands on them and pray over them. The disciples shooed them off, but Jesus intervened. Let the children alone. Don't prevent them from coming to me. God's kingdom is made up of people like these. After laying hands on them, he left. And then we read in 1 Timothy 4, 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. Amen, right? One of my favorite events every year is middle school summer camp. And I've done summer camp year after year after year. And summer camp's great, right? It's fun. It's, it's great worship. There's fun teachings. There's fun just camp games. You get to hang out with your friends and make new friends. Here's our group from last year. And it's a great experience. But one year, God showed me something special about middle school summer camp. And I was in the back of the room worshiping and uh, my son was probably two years old at the time. And we've been bringing our son with us to summer camp ever since he was born. And he's sitting next to me. And then God just shows me the room. And it's little kids, middle schoolers, high school students, uh, college students, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, even Grandma Jean. And Grandma Jean was like one of the favorite camp leaders. And the kids didn't care how old she was because no one loved them more deeply than Grandma Jean. They love Grandma Jean. But God showed me one of the reasons why camp is so amazing is because it's multi-generational and intergenerational. To see from a little kid up to an adult with their arms on each other's shoulders, just worshiping God and going for it. It's such a picture of heaven. To see a middle schooler praying for an adult leader or an adult praying for a middle schooler is powerful. It still gives me goosebumps this day just thinking about it. And God wants to use people of every age, from our students, to our last breath. 
Jesus just asks us to believe that he can do it. And I also wanna add that I think this vineyard, this family right here is doing an amazing job. You are. I mean, we have worship jams at um, John and Connie Morgan's house where our middle schoolers are uh, not just growing in their skills and giftings, but they're just getting to worship God once a month in just this great environment. Uh, we're having uh, campfires and hay rides and just fun events at your properties and just having fun. We're having worship and just goofing around and eating good food. You guys are jumping into the youth ministry where our students are getting to serve uh, inside these walls and outside them. Even going on youth events like Vineyard United, where our high schoolers this year got to hear um, vineyard pastors from all over the region um, and just kingdom theology, experiencing God and just having fun together. So I do wanna invite the worship team up. And as they come up, Again, here at the Vineyard, we believe that everyone gets to play. And because of that, our students need to experience that every time they walk through these doors. We want our students in service with us because this is their church too. This is your church now. Students, we want you connected to community. We want you on these worship teams, door greeters and, and ushers and helping the cafe and helping in kids ministry. Students, we want you connected to opportunities to pray. We want you to be able to come up for prayer when, when a pastor's giving prayer calls, that those are for you too. That's not just for you to sit through service and get by, but to listen intently. And if God is calling you up to get prayer, to come up for prayer, and even maybe even to share a word on a mic that might speak to someone here. Students, we want you connected to Bible-centered messages that speak to you. And I wasn't asked to do this, but I think Michael and Andrew and Heather and all of our speakers do a good job that I encourage you students that when you are here, that you bring a notebook with you and a pen or your phone and you're taking notes on it because I believe that God wants to speak to you too through these messages. Don't just try to get by through service, but listen intently like, God, what do you have for me today? And church, when you see young people in the hallway, go say hi to them. It goes a long way, whether a conversation starts up or not, just saying hi to a young person, just the fact that they're seen goes a long way. And my students, when you see people that aren't as young as you, maybe they have a little bit more whites and a little bit more wisdom on them, you go up to them and say, hi, how are you? What is your name? And if a conversation starts up, great. If not, at least a friendly student said hi to them because the church thrives as his witness when it's multi-generational and it's intergenerational. Why don't you guys stand and we're gonna go back into a few songs of worship and then we're gonna have an opportunity for some prayer. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.